the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through 1 Samuel. We can get years into our relationship with the Lord and look back and say to ourselves sometimes, I'm not as close as I used to be. I've drifted. I've wandered. I'm getting involved in some things I shouldn't. And I want to get back to that place where it was fresh and where it was real and where I first encountered the Lord. That's your Gilgal moment. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but it's good sometimes to revisit. Lord, I remember when. Lord, help me to get back to that place. As you grow in your relationship with God, you might get frustrated along the way and get tired of ministry and living out the Christian life. But the times before when God has moved in you or you had a moment with Him where your relationship deepened or your faith strengthened, you can remember those times and trust that God is still with you. Today, Pastor Gary is going to show you that sometimes revisiting and reliving those memories can be refreshing to your walk with God. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 11 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. The messenger said the 330,000 are going to get there tomorrow. So the Jabesh Gilead guys go out to Nahash and say, okay, we'll come out. We'll come out tomorrow. We'll come out tomorrow. So they're buying a little time here. Verse 11. So it was on the next day that Saul put the people in three companies and they came into the midst of the camp in the morning watch. Now the morning watch is about 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. So they're still under the cover of darkness. Here comes Saul and the army of Israel. And they killed Ammonites until the heat of the day. So here they come, early morning hours, until the heat of the day, until the afternoon. And it happened that those who survived were scattered so that no two of them were left together. No two Ammonites were left together. And then the people said to Samuel, Who is he who said, Shall Saul reign over us? Okay, remember the rebellious guys at the end of chapter 10? So now because Saul has given this, you know, great demonstration of his leadership, led them in this victory over the Ammonites, now everybody's like, who are those guys back in chapter 10 who didn't like him being king? Let's bring them out. Let's bring them out. Why do they want to bring them out? Bring the men that we may put them to death. But Saul said, now notice this is another mark of his leadership here. Saul said, not a man shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord has accomplished salvation in Israel. Notice how he gives praise to God. He says, I didn't do this. God did this. So again, he starts out very humble here. And it says in verse 14, And then Samuel said to the people, Come, let us go to Gilgal. 
and renew the kingdom there. Circle Gilgal, talk about it in a minute. And so all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. And there they made sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord, and there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. Now, notice this with me. They have this great victory. Saul wants to make sure the people understand this is really the victory that God has provided. And so Samuel the prophet, who had anointed Saul back in chapter 10, verse 1, first part of chapter 10, Saul's already been anointed. I mean, literally, like anointed. Samuel the prophet took oil in a flask and poured it over Saul's head, which up until that point had only been done for priests. When priests were called by God to serve God in the temple and they were separated for the duty of being priests, they were anointed with oil. And oil in the Bible, no doubt it was olive oil, oil in the Bible is uh, shemen in Hebrew. Oil in the Bible is symbolic of the presence of God, often symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And so even though there wasn't anything magical in the oil itself, It was poured out on the heads of priests and now the first king of Israel to mark them as belonging to God, that they shall now be filled with the very presence of God. And so Samuel had already anointed Saul as king of Israel, but now there is this public gathering for his national coronation. And they choose Gilgal. Samuel says, I want us to go to Gilgal. Now, let me tell you what is so important about that particular place. If you remember back in the story of the Exodus, and then when we got into the book of Joshua, the children of Israel have been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. When God had mercy on them and heard their cries that went up to heaven under the labor of their taskmasters, God had mercy on the Israelites, on the Hebrew slaves, and he raised up Moses as a deliverer, as a prophet. And Moses leads the people of Israel after a long series of, you know, 10 plagues and Pharaoh being reluctant and all of that, leads them out of Egypt through the wilderness. And then when they get to the border of the promised land and they come a very circuitous route because of their disobedience. They spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. Moses is now replaced by Joshua. And Joshua is going to bring the people into Israel, coming from the east in Jordan, crossing over the Jordan River, going east to west into the Promised Land. And when they crossed the Jordan River, when Joshua led the people into the Promised Land, now remember, none of them had ever been there because for 400 years they had been slaves in Egypt. So this is the very first time they're coming into the promised land, this generation. And the very first place that they encamp in the promised land is Gilgal. And a few things happen at Gilgal. Number one, the first time that they celebrate the Passover, which they had not celebrated for hundreds of years. Well, they celebrated the Passover as part of their exodus when they marked the doors of their homes. But otherwise, Passover had not been practiced until they get into the Promised Land. They're at Gilgal, and the first Passover in the Promised Land, they celebrated Gilgal. What else happens at Gilgal? All the men are circumcised because all the generation of men that grew up during the wilderness wanderings 
had never been circumcised according to the covenant that God gave to Abraham. They were circumcised at Gilgal. It also tells us that the first place that the tabernacle resided, which was this mobile temple before the temple was built in Jerusalem, the tabernacle resided at Gilgal for a long time until it was moved to Shiloh. So here you have this place. In addition, the fourth thing that happened at Gilgal was God told the Israelites, take a stone out of the Jordan River, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel, and set 12 stones at Gilgal as a reminder that you crossed over the Jordan River, that I delivered you out of slavery into the promised land. So Gilgal was a very historic place for them, place of the first Passover, place where the men were circumcised, place where the tabernacle was, and place where this pillar was placed of these stones as a memorial, as a testimony of the faithfulness of God. And Samuel the prophet says, we're going to go back there when we coronate Saul as the national king. And why is that so important? And it's principle number three from chapter 11. It is always a good thing when we return to the place of our first love. This was that place when they came into the promised land that reminded them of their relationship with the Lord. And those various aspects, the Passover, a reminder of the Lord and the shed blood of the Lamb, the circumcision, this covenant, that we are a covenant people belonging to God. The tabernacle was there. This is the place where we first worship the Lord in the promised land. These are the stones that marked what the Lord did for us, his faithfulness. And Samuel's like, we're going to go back there so we can remember our first love. That's where we're going to crown Saul as king. And it speaks to me in the sense that there are times when you and I will We'll wander. You know that old hymn, prone to wander, Lord. You know, and it's good for us sometimes to just kind of recalibrate. And, you know, I don't know if it necessarily means you have to literally go to the place where you first had an encounter and a relationship with Jesus. But I don't know, maybe, maybe there's some sentimental place that you can literally go and be reminded of when you first fell in love with Jesus. But if nothing else... Maybe you can't go there physically or literally, but it's good sometimes for us just to take time in our lives to just, you know, come before the Lord and revisit in our hearts and in our minds the place where we first encountered him. That time when he was first so real to us, that moment when we first prayed that prayer to trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior, because you know what begins to happen when we run this race? We become weary. And we can sometimes become discouraged. And we sometimes pick up the dirt and the filth of the world along the race. And we can get years into our relationship with the Lord and look back and say to ourselves sometimes, I'm not as close as I used to be. I've drifted. I've wandered. I'm getting involved in some things I shouldn't. And I want to get back to that place where it was fresh and where it was real and where I first encountered the Lord. That's your Gilgal moment. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but it's good sometimes to revisit. Lord, I remember when. Lord, help me to get back to that place when I first fell in love with you. You know, you read the letters to the church of Revelation. Jesus calls out the church of Ephesus because they had left their first love. They had forgotten the Lord. They had gotten so busy doing life 
that they forgot their relationship with him. There's a reason why Samuel said, we're going back to Gilgal, because we're going to go back to where all this started so we can remind ourselves why we're here and how good and faithful the Lord is. So revisit your Gilgal from time to time. Go back in your heart and in your mind, and maybe literally you can go back to that place just for a short visit to remind yourself of the goodness and the faithfulness of God when you first fell in love with him. And so into chapter 12, it says, Now Samuel said to all Israel, Indeed, I have heeded your voice in all that you said to me and have made a king over you. And now here is the king walking before you, and I am old and gray-headed, and look, my sons are with you. I have walked before you from my childhood to this day. Here I am. Witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken, or whose donkey have I taken, or whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed, or from whose hand have I received any bribe with which to blind my eyes? I will restore it to you. So Samuel, this is kind of his swan song. Um, He's basically letting people know, look, I'm old and you've rejected the Lord and I'm the last of the judges. He says, but I want you to evaluate my life and, you know, accuse me if there's anything I've ever done wrong. I haven't cheated anybody. I haven't stolen from anybody. I've tried to be a man who walks with integrity. Go ahead, examine my life. So he says this in his old age as he is basically going to hand the baton. Now, now, you know, Israel will still need the prophets of God. All through the period of the monarchy, you get into the period of the kings. I mean, the prophets are essential to speak to the kings of the day, because often the kings go off the rail, and the prophets are there to challenge them, exhort them, and encourage them, and get them back on track. But Samuel here is this prophet and the last judge of Israel. He knows, like, look, this is a transitioning time. I'm old and I'm ready to fade off the scene here. But before he goes, he's like, listen, you know, I tried to walk with integrity before you and before the Lord. And they verify it. Verse 4, and they said, you have not cheated us or oppressed us, nor have you taken anything from any man's hand. And then he said to them, the Lord is witness against you, and his anointed is witness this day that you have not found anything in my hand. And they answered, he is witness. And then Samuel said to the people, now I'm going to read this, Down to verse 17. It's a speech. The whole thing's a speech that Samuel gives. But I want you to underline, if you have a pen or pencil handy, or if you have an electronic Bible, like highlight, I want you to highlight the names that Samuel mentions. There's a reason I'm I'm asking you to do that. As Samuel revisits their own history, he's going to kind of summarize some of the history of Israel, and I want you to note the different people that he mentions. So verse 6, Then Samuel said to the people, It is the Lord who raised up Moses... And Aaron, and who brought your fathers up from the land of Egypt. Now therefore stand still, that I may reason with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did to you and your fathers. When Jacob, there's another name, when Jacob had gone into Egypt, and your fathers cried out to the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, their names repeated, who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. And when they forgot the Lord their God, he sold them into the hand of Sisera, the commander of the army of Hazor. Now, by the way, I'm only asking you to underline names that he commends in the history of Israel, so you don't need to underline Sisera. 
So Sarah, commander of the army of Hazor, into the hand of the Philistines and into the hand of the king of Moab, and they fought against them. And then they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and served the Baals and Ashtoreths, but now deliver us from the hand of our enemies, and we will serve you. And the Lord sent, you can underline these names, Jerubbaal, that's Gideon, Badan. Badan is a strange, it's the only time that name appears in the Bible. Some people think it is a mistranslation of the Hebrew that it should say Barak. So we don't really know the name of this, but it's a judge. So Jerubbaal, which is Gideon, Badan or Barak, Jephthah, these are all judges, and Samuel. You can underline all those names. So Samuel even mentions himself. The Lord raised up those different judges, among others, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you dwelt in safety. And when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us, when the Lord your God was your king. Now therefore, here is the king, small case, and I was talking about Saul. You just write Saul's name in there. Here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and do not rebel against the commandments of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandments of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. All right, pause there for a moment. This is the majority of his speech. And he's trying to make this point, and here's his point. He's saying, look, let me revisit our own history with you. God was faithful to do this. God was faithful to do this. God was faithful to do this and to do this. And he used different men to accomplish his purposes. By the way, in the history of Israel, it wasn't always men. But in this conversation, he mentions just certain men. And he says, and I just want you to know, he says, myself included, because he puts himself in the list. He goes, you know, God raised up all these different people, Moses and Aaron and Gideon and Barak and Jephthah and, and myself. And now God's raised up a king. It's not his best for you, but this is what you wanted. You're going to find out just how lacking this earthly king is. But nevertheless, God is using people to accomplish his good purposes. But Samuel's saying, but I just want you to know, even though God has raised up these different individuals, it has always been and always will be God behind these human vessels. That God is at work. And don't you ever forget that it is God who is at work. So here's the principle that I want us to see here from chapter 12. God who is unseen works through people who are seen. Nevertheless, keep your eyes on him instead of them. Amen? It's very important. Don't get your eyes on earthly vessels. Get your eyes on the Lord who is behind. Yes, God does use people, and God uses imperfect people. A perfect God uses imperfect people. And never forget that when great things happen, it's not those people. It is God using those people who is accomplishing these great things. And so notice the next thing that he says there, verse 16. He says, now therefore stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. You might want to mark in the margin of your Bible there, 2 Corinthians 4.18. Because notice, Samuel is saying, I want you to see something here. See this. What are we seeing? 
Well, God's at work here. Can you see this? And here's what 2 Corinthians 4.18 says. It says, we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For that which is seen is temporal, but that which is unseen is eternal. So he says, I want you to see with spiritual eyes here what the Lord, the unseen God of the universe, is doing behind the scenes using seen people to accomplish his purposes. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, not on the earthly people, the vessels, but on what is unseen. We fix our eyes on the Lord because that which is seen is temporal, but that which is unseen is eternal, 2 Corinthians 4.18. And so let's just finish out this chapter. He says, I want you to see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Verse 17, is today not the wheat harvest? I will call to the Lord and he will send thunder and rain that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking a king for yourselves. And so Samuel called to the Lord and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. I mean, yeah, I bet they did because Samuel's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray right now. And God's going to give confirmation that you've been wicked asking for a king. And so he prays and all of a sudden rain and like thunder, lightning. And so verse 19, and all the people said to Samuel, pray for your servants to the Lord, your God. Notice, not our God. See how distant their heart was from the Lord's? They're like, Samuel, you know, you have a relationship with him. Pray to the Lord your God. Very sad. They didn't say our God. That we may not die, for we have added to all our sins the evil of asking a king for ourselves. But notice the mercy of the Lord. Verse 20, then Samuel said to the people, do not fear. You have done all this wickedness, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart, and do not turn aside... For then you would go after empty things which cannot profit or deliver. No show of hands. Have you ever gone after empty things that you realize turned out to not really satisfy? He says, for they are nothing. Empty things that people go after. They're nothing. For the Lord will not forsake his people. Underline that. We might be unfaithful to the Lord at times, but he is never unfaithful to us. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. And you got to love this. In their wickedness, God still had not forsaken them. In our sinfulness, God does not abandon us, but he longs for us to return to him. Moreover, Samuel says, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. Amen? But if you still do wickedness, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. In other words, there's always a chance for you. Like, God is merciful. And all of your sinfulness and wickedness and disobedience against God, you know what? He's never abandoned you. He's never forsaken you. He still wants relationship with you. God is a merciful God. He says, but i got to be honest with you. Like, God doesn't, like, tolerate wickedness forever. There is a day of reckoning and accountability for every single one of us. God's justice demands because of his holiness that he punish wickedness, but isn't it wonderful 
to know that all of our wickedness was placed on Jesus so that by his sacrifice on the cross, we might be forgiven and experience the mercy of God. Amen. That's all we have for today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. If you'd like to listen to this message from 1 Samuel again, or if you'd like to explore other messages from Pastor Gary, just visit our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. Under the Teachings option, you can download our mobile app to stay connected with God's Word everywhere you go. You will also find our companion resources. These digital study guides are meant to give you even more insight into some of the studies Pastor Gary has done and are available free of charge to you. While you're there, take a minute to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify so you never miss another message. You'll also find links with more information about the church behind this ministry, Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you in person. Come visit us. You'll find service times and more information about Cornerstone Chapel at cornerstoneconnection.cc. With that, our time with you has come to an end for today. So put a marker in your Bible where we left off today in 1 Samuel and make plans to join Pastor Gary next time. Thanks again for listening to today's teaching right here on Cornerstone Connection. No place to go, but still you know, still you know you're not alone. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.